Hey, everybody. <clears throat> uh, I know it's been a while since I've done one of these, so um, that means I've uh, got a little bit of explaining to do, but it's been a long time. We got plenty to talk about. But uh, first off, I just need to let you guys know one thing and one thing only. <clears throat> this song slaps. Oh, shit. Do you hear that? That's how you count to four in Japanese. I didn't see it coming, creeping up from behind. I was almost swallowed whole by the thrill of the fight. It wasn't for the money, and it wasn't just for fun. I wanted to make a money. I just wanted to be someone. Me too, man. I heard the devil whisper in my ear. What did he say? Get out of here. You don't even know. Really so happy I, I found this song. You don't even understand. Monkey, monkey I was no looking for it. It's called Sleep the Leg by No More Kings. I was looking for the Family Force 5 song of the same name. This one is objectively much better. Crank it to the face. Put him in a body bag. No mercy. This breakdown is sick. You ready for this Tom Morello ass guitar solo? You guys don't know how good this is. Just wait for it. Like you, don't, you don't even know. You don't even know how to do that on a guitar. That's not on a guitar here. Cobra Kai reboot and everything, and uh, they got together the original cast just for this music video. It's totally worth your time. It's almost over. Finish strong. That was Sweep the Leg by No More Kings. And now, on to the clickbait. Now, part of the reason I haven't done one of these in so long is because I've just felt like I haven't had anything to talk about. Well, we've definitely got something now. 
UFC 229 was last weekend, and I wanted to do my immediate reactions at first, but because I'm a procrastinator, partly, and partly because uh, I wanted to, I actually did want to get everybody else's opinion and see how every, um, all of my favorite analysts reacted and then react to those reactions, I decided to wait till this weekend, but mostly because I procrastinate. <laughs> Um, so for those of you, maybe my friends, family, other people who stumbled upon this podcast somehow else don't know, um, so this past weekend was Habib Nurmagomedov versus Conor McGregor for the lightweight title. Now, <clears throat> Habib is a guy from Dagestan, which is nearby Russia, and he's, um, one of my favorite fighters of all time. And uh, he's been one of my favorites since the first time I ever saw him before I even knew who he was because his name was Habib. And for the longest time, Habib had just sort of been my uh, casually racist nickname for party store or gas station owners of a certain Middle Eastern descent. You know, some, just one that I couldn't identify. It's, it's, I never said it to their face or anything, but just like, you know, when I was leaving, you know, I'd always buy something, smile, give them the change. And I was like, all right, all right, have a good day, buddy. In my head, I'm like, all right, you too, Habib. Like just, I don't know. That's just how my brain works. So anyway, so then I saw the first time this guy's actually fighting. I was at a, I think it was at a Buffalo Wild Wings. And I pointed out to my wife, I was like, hey, look, babe, this name's Habib. Like, his name's actually Habib. I hope he wins every fight. And he has. Uh, and Conor McGregor, that's a different story. Because Conor McGregor used to be one of my favorite fighters. Um, I say used to because he's he's really started to rub me the wrong way over the past couple few years. Like, especially leading up to this fight has been the most obnoxious we have ever seen him. But um, backing up to the beginning, why I used to love him, um, on his way up, you know, Conor McGregor, he's Irish and, you know, loves to fight. He comes out in like this long, this wide karate stance and everything. You know, I used to do karate when I was a kid, so it was kind of cool seeing somebody. He just throws, he mostly just throws like roundhouse kicks and straight punches. That's, he's also got like a nice upper, I don't know, I don't have time to dissect his whole striking game. But anyway... His big fight ender is the big straight left hand because he's southpaw, but he's just a, just a straight cross, and it's like, yeah, that's that's awesome. Wide, wide stance, straight left. That's like how I used to train. So it was kind of cool seeing somebody like that successful in the UFC, first of all. And, um, you know, he liked to talk smack, but uh, he was he was just he was kind of charming at first, you know. Like he was just like a little bit condescending. Like I remember when he was fighting Dustin Poirier, he's like, Oh yeah, he seems like a nice kid, you know. He's got a he's seems like he's got a uh cousin or something named Bubba. Maybe wears lots of overalls, small town kind of guy. He's a nice kid. He's really really good. <laughs> but it was uh yeah, he had a way of getting under people's skin and getting in their heads and getting them to come at him all wild. And uh he gets people to be overly aggressive with him and then he just counters and finishes him off every fight and, you know he was like calling the round when he was going to finish him off he was sensational same thing as uh 
you know, and then he finally won the featherweight title from Jose Aldo. And before that, you know, the, all the press conferences, they did this big world tour and all of the Irish fans behind him. Like, I got chills watching those guys cheer him on. Like, you know, when they said that, you know, he had a nation behind him, like he truly like, well, I don't know. Like, it's it, like, it's so, it was just, it was, it was something to see. It was like, at the time, like I, it was a really, uh, it was a rush kind of being a part of it. Like it was a big, I, I could tell he was going to be something big in the sport. And, um, so anyway, after that, he expressed a desire to be a multi-weight champion. He wanted to move up to lightweight because that's actually the weight he was fighting at before he was signed by the UFC and the smaller organization. Um, I think he'd only had a few fights at featherweight became the champ there and became the, I think he actually became the lightweight champ in his uh his prior fight organization right before getting signed with the UFC but they said they needed more featherweights so he was like whatever done it before I'll do it again so back to featherweight now now he wants to go back up to lightweight and uh after he said that the champion at the time Rafael dos Anjos finished off the then number two contender Donald Cerrone at UFC on Fox. And, uh, yeah, he finished him in just over a minute and then told Connor, hey, yeah, come on up. So um, so they were going to make that fight. And uh, I guess Rafael Dos Anjos got injured because he, uh, he broke his foot in training. So uh, people from... All different weight classes were asked to step in on short notice to face McGregor and uh, yeah, even Jose Aldo, but he, you know, I guess they didn't um, just didn't have time to prepare for it. Um, Frankie Edgar even turned it down because he had an injury. So finally, uh, Nate Diaz was the one to step up last minute and uh, they didn't end up doing the fight at lightweight it got moved up to welterweight at 170 pounds instead of 155 so that way neither of them really had to cut a whole lot of weight on short notice and uh yeah nate diaz beat him handily because he is one of the original gangsters of the ufc and is completely unfazed by any of conor mcgregor's trash talk that which was I think the main reason he was able to be, I mean, not only because he's, you know, he's been sort of a kind of a hot and cold fighter. Like he has, he's had some like really good wins. Like he's beaten Donald Cerrone too, beaten, um, uh, yeah, he beat BJ Penn as well. I think oh, I can't gotta go back and look at their records. I feel dumb for not knowing off the top of my head, but anyway, and, uh, right before he fought Connor, he had just had a great win over Michael Johnson, who, sleeps people for a living especially he just he had knocked out you know, Dustin Poirier cold uh you know he had fought his way to the top of the his season of the ultimate fighter um he actually lost though to that guy skinny dude Jonathan Brookins who just took him down and pounded him but he's not anywhere anymore I don't know anyway so Conor McGregor I ramble a lot you guys know this um but yeah, he uh, he comes back and becomes obsessed with Nate Diaz, and he wants to do the fight again. 
you know, at the same weight class and everything, just so everything's fair again. He, you know, trains harder than he was before and, you know, has more time to prepare and um, ends up winning the decision in the end. And, I mean, it was a pretty close fight, and I think if it had went an extra round, Diaz probably would have finished him, but that's neither here nor there. History is history. Excuse me, I keep taking sips of my... <clears throat> Venom energy drink. Not a sponsor, but it could be. Anyway, so McGregor comes back against Nate Diaz, looks like a hero. And then after, you know, what seems like a lot of unanswered questions, like, oh, maybe he wasn't as good as we thought he was. Well, first of all, he moved up two weight classes to take this fight, which is, I don't think anyone's actually ever done that before. That's pretty unprecedented. But anywho. Yeah, moved up two weight classes to fight Nate Diaz both times, and the second time edged out a decision, which is pretty impressive on its own. Then he comes back down to 155, as he had planned before, only now the lightweight champion is Eddie Alvarez, who just beat the living crap out of Rafael Dos Anjos to get that title, who, as we had just said before, beat the ever-loving crap out of Donald Cerrone. Cerrone, excuse me, just prior to that. So it was, uh, it looked like a pretty rough matchup for him, but he put him away in two rounds. Made him look stupid. And this isn't, you know, this isn't just some journeyman fighter either. I mean, Eddie Alvarez has been around for a long time. He was the Bellator lightweight champ, came over to the UFC, had a ton of great fights over here, worked his way to the top. Legit lightweight champion, and Connor just handled him like it was nothing like made him look stupid like he did everybody else and um oh yeah and then became the first ever ufc fighter to hold belts simultaneously in two divisions now after that fight he um didn't fight in the ufc again for a long time never ended up defending those belts in fact ended up getting stripped of both of them because he took the time off from mma to pick a fight with Floyd Mayweather. And, um, again, I was still a fan of Conor McGregor's at this point. And leading up to the fight, I thought that, you know, I thought I was going to be rooting for McGregor the whole time because, you know, Floyd Mayweather had said a bunch of stuff before about how, oh, UFC is just for beer-drinking white boys who don't know how to fight. Or, or who couldn't cut it in boxing and they had to create their own sport, something like that. Um, Bernard Hopkins said, you know, it's just like a bunch of dudes wrestling around with panties on. You know, why would he want to partake in that sport? But, you know, basically the entire boxing community just took a massive dump on the UFC as a whole, mostly because they were their biggest competition. And, you know, Joe Rogan had said something before on ESPN or something to uh, to one of the boxing commentator he's like your sport is being swallowed by the ufc swallowed i mean basically part of partly he was right but also not because boxing is its own thing boxing is boxing and the ufc is the ufc and they're both pretty cool but of the two of them the ufc is way more like a real fight that's just the facts so anywho um so there's this big rivalry between 
the, you know, the UFC or the MMA and boxing. And so I was going to be really interested to see this play out. And I thought I was going to be cheering for McGregor the whole time. But first of all, I'm from Grand Rapids. And despite everything he's ever said and done over the years, Floyd Mayweather is still my homeboy, literally hometown guy, <laughs> hometown hero. And, um, I think I've stated this before. The boxing gym that I trained at when I was in Grand Rapids is called Blues Gym, owned by four-time world champion kickboxer Dino Newville. <clears throat> Thank you. And uh, he's good friends with the Mayweathers, and you know they're still giving back to the community. He's donated a ton of money over the years just to keep the place open, you know, because they don't ever charge enough to really you know, keep the lights on most of the time or people just don't pay just because they're, you know, too nice to shake them down for money. At least he is now. Those years are behind him. I got to get him on the podcast sometime. But anyway, good friends with the Mayweathers. They donated a ton of money, taking care of us still. You know, they haven't forgot about us. So anyway, so when he said, fuck the Mayweathers, it was, yeah, it took it a little personally. Like it was, because, you know, like I said, he used to be sort of charming, kind of clever with his trash talk and, you know, now, I don't know. He was just getting more and more obnoxious. He was uh, marking out for his own gimmick, as Chael Sonnen would say, which is a wrestling term, like pro wrestling, I guess. Basically, uh, buying into his own hype a lot. And, uh, yeah, honestly, by the time after all of the press conferences and by the time that the fight actually came around, I'm like, man... I hope Floyd does beat his ass. I mean, I had a feel. I knew he was going to from the beginning because he's the boxer. He's a specialist, and he's been doing this his whole life. And Connor's, you know, pretty good. He's a good boxer, best, you know, good hands for MMA. But it's different. It's a totally different thing. But, you know, Floyd handled him. You know, no problem. And I loved, actually, I got really excited in the fight the way he ended up walking him down at the end of the fight. You know, like Connor said, he made him look fight like a Mexican fighter. I mean, Connor didn't make him do that. He actually, I feel like he did that because he owed it to the fans after the Pacquiao fight to have an exciting fight where he just didn't, didn't care. Just walked him down, beat him up. And uh, some people say that the fight was going to be stopped too early, but I mean, how many brain cells can one guy lose, you know? The ref was just doing his job. He was looking out for Connor. But anyway, so finally, that yeah, that was last year, 2017. And since then, Connor had not come back to MMA, hadn't fought again in such a long time. Was finally getting stripped of both of his belts after all this time being inactive. Actually, he was uh, stripped of the featherweight title before. For that, I don't remember exactly when, but uh, Max Holloway became the new champion, who was somebody that he had beaten on his way up to the title fight. And yeah, I believe yeah he fought Jose Aldo twice actually. To the first time to for the championship belt that Conor had vacated, and then the second time he was defending as the champion and uh, beat him pretty well the first time and even harder the second time. So. They already had a really good featherweight champion taking his place. And then in comes Habib Nurmagomedov, who, like I said, was a juggernaut. 
in the lightweight division and was completely undefeated coming in. Um, beat up, yeah, pretty much everybody in his path. Um, I think the first time person I saw him fight was Abel Trujillo. Uh, yeah, beat up Rafael Dos Anjos, who was, yeah, like I said, was the champion before and beating a lot of great people. Um, Michael Johnson, Edson Barbosa, and then finally, uh, when he was supposed to fight Tony Ferguson at UFC 223, and that was when the UFC was going to strip Conor McGregor of the lightweight title as well. They said as soon as the first punch is thrown in this fight, Conor McGregor is no longer the champion, and these two guys are fighting for the belt. And uh, prior, and uh, when they were meeting there, one of Conor McGregor's teammates... Uh, the Siberian Express, none other than um, <clears throat> Artem Lobov, was fighting on the same card as Habib. And uh, I guess uh, Artem was saying, because he's, you know, he's a good friend of Connor's and happens to be like a super fanboy of his, so we'll say anything. He's like a, he's, he's like a loyal dog. He's just, and he's, he's, he's just, he just loves Connor pretty much anyway and we'll say anything to stick up for his boy and i guess he was just talking trash on i don't know maybe it was instagram or some some interview or something where basically he said you know connor's the real champ whoever these guys are you know he'll handle either one of them connor's still champion he'll beat them both whatever but he was especially critical of habib uh he brought up the fact that habib's pulled out of fights before you know he called them uh chicken or pussy or something. It was in Russian. Somebody else translated, but more or less called him a coward and said that he pulls out of fights all the time. Connor's never pulled out of a fight, which is accurate, but he's not nearly as active as Habib, but anywho. Um, so uh, Habib took issue with this. Oh, and by the way, and this is true, he actually uh, had to pull out of the Tony Ferguson fight one time because of an injury and then the second time he pulled out because he was having trouble making weight and uh no fight there was no replacement fight i don't think it is this didn't end up happening and uh he fought uh, tony ferguson fought kevin lee for the interim title instead and leading and that was before this fight and then on the third time they were trying to make this fight finally um this time uh oh yeah the second time yeah, Habib couldn't make weight because he was off eating tiramisu, and Tony Ferguson wouldn't shut up about it ever since. Tiramisu gate. Anyway, so the fight wasn't going to happen, and then the finally it looked like it was going to happen, and then the week of the fight, while doing media for the fight, Tony Ferguson tripped over some cables that were laying around while doing media on TV promoting the fight because he was wearing sunglasses indoors. Now I know before all of you jump my ass for saying that, I am not I know he was not actually wearing sunglasses at the time that he tripped over the cables and injured his knee. That's not what I'm saying. He actually was just wearing regular glasses. What I am saying is, that's what you get for wearing sunglasses indoors all the time, Tony. Cut it out. 
But I don't know. He's kind of a weirdo. I don't. I think he's got like, he's just socially awkward. Maybe a little stage frighty. That's where he why he wears sunglasses all the time. I don't know. He's a weird dude. But anyway, so he ended up pulling out of the fight, and then Max Holloway, featherweight champion, was supposed to. It was uh, he was actually supposed to be fighting on the same card, and then got called up instead of fighting at featherweight. Now he was fighting at lightweight, and he was going to be fighting Habib last minute. And Holloway couldn't make lightweight for some reason. And at the very, very last minute, they got, at the time, number 10-ranked Al Iaquinta, who is, um, you know, great, solid competitor in his own right. Um actually knocked out Kevin Lee, I believe, which is pretty impressive, and that they're uh, doing the sequel to that fight soon. I'm excited for that. But anywho, Ally Aquinta stepped in last minute because he's a gangster and stepped in to fight Habib Nurmagomedov at 223. So, but Habib didn't pull out for this one. So back to Artem. So earlier in the week, when all of the fighters were arriving at the hotel, Habib saw Artem in the hallway and cornered him, grabbed him behind the head, and looked him in the eye and said, Hey, I heard you were talking some shit. What's up with that? Artem uh, sat there and denied everything, partly because there were a couple of Habib's teammates standing there, and you know, he said he was you know, outnumbered and scared, whatever, whatever. They were intimidating him. But mostly it was just to be, he didn't really do anything. He gave him a little smack on the face. That was pretty funny. He gave him a little sleep. <laughs> Later he brought it up. Brings it up to Connor. Your friend, he eats slap and he don't do nothing. Why? Why he do this? I think. Why you? You need to ask your friend. Why is he not a man? He he just eats slap. Anyway. So uh, yeah. So, Habib gives him a good talking to, and sends him on his way. And so then the night before UFC two twenty three, Connor McGregor flies in with a bunch of his buddies from Ireland for this fight. And after the weigh-ins, everybody's getting on the buses on the way back to the hotels. And before they're leaving the parking garage, Conor McGregor comes in with 40 goons and starts, they just start throwing shit around, making a lot of noise, just brazen hell. And, uh, at one point, he finds he finds the bus that Habib is on, and starts jumping and smacking the windows and causing a scene. He's like he's saying, "Get get out! Come on, get out! Get out! Come on, get out! I'm right here!" And then you know, runs around and in a now infamous or should I say notorious moment, he grabbed a dolly like a big metal you know one of the things you use to move a freaking fridge or whatever. He grabs a giant big old dolly. Chucks it at the window, shatters the glass, uh, injures a couple fighters. I think Ray Borg got shards of glass in his eye. They had to cancel his fight. Michael Chiesa, uh, he got cut up real bad, couldn't make his fight. I think he was supposed to be fighting Anthony Pettis that night. And, uh, yeah, bad scene. And, it, th- and you know, later, McGregor would say, you know, this was payback for trying to mess with his friend, you know, he was just, he was just defending his friend, I'm like, that, that's, that's not, 
self-defense. I think you're confusing that. I do not think that means what you think it means, basically. So, yeah, all of this happens. Habib fights ally Aquinta, beats him. And now, finally, at long last, months later, after much and much, much, much anticipation, Habib and Connor are finally about to meet up. And they actually did not do a whole ton of press for this fight. They did one press conference in New York, which is weird because the fight was in Vegas, but whatever. And then just the presser before the fight. Now, the New York press conference was, um, well, it was the Conor McGregor shit show, basically. Uh, He showed up late. Uh, Habib was there on time as a professional, answered some questions already. McGregor showed up later with a bottle of Proper 12 whiskey in his hand, his new brand, which uh, I think he was actually going to be calling it Notorious Irish Whiskey before, but I think that brand was already taken. He was about to get sued for it, so he had to change it. But anyway, Proper 12 Irish Whiskey. I'm in the whiskey business. It's risky business in the whiskey business, man. I don't know if you want to be getting into that, because apparently I've watched a couple reviews, and it tastes like straight doo-doo. I don't know. A couple people say it's all right, but uh, if I were the Jameson brothers, I would not be worried about it. (laughs) Anywho, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much what the whole press conference is. And he showed up, you know, he's peacocking, of course, and he's wearing a really nice suit, purple and green, actually. Some people thinking, uh, you know, maybe he's putting on a whole act like he's playing the Joker. So I think they're reading too much into it, though. But... Anywho, yeah, all he wanted to talk about for most of the press conference was the whiskey and how uh, their Proper 12 is sponsoring this fight. And uh, he was really excited to say that. Somebody somebody asked Dana that question, and Connor interrupted. He's like, he's like yeah, 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 tell him about it, tell him. He's like, yes, Proper 12 whiskey is an official sponsor of the fight. Yeah! Like, okay. This is, after this press conference, oh yeah, and then uh, during the stare down, uh, he tried to offer Habib a drink, and Habib's Muslim, he doesn't drink, first of all, and English isn't his first language, so he was gonna be outclassed in the trash talk, but he, um, yeah, he uh, he started offering Habib a drink, he's like, he's like ah, come on, come on, take a drink, and he's like, I do, I do not drink, well, why don't you drink, because I don't drink, like, and Chael Sonnen pointed this out. It made Habib look stupid because, if I mean, if you don't drink, you don't drink. But by asking the question over and over again, he can only get one response. Oh, come on, have a drink. Yeah, have a drink. Why don't you drink? You don't drink? You know, he's God, just making fun of him. He's coming for his religion. Oh, and he, uh, you know, Connor, of course, he did research on him, dug up some dirt about him, his family, and all of his associations, which if you want to go down that rabbit hole, there's a bunch of YouTube videos explaining some very scary people that Habib is connected with, but uh, I don't fuck with Russians, man, so I'm just not going to talk about that. Dagestanis, Dagestan is like the Russia of Russia, so I'm not, I'm just not going to touch it, but McGregor went there and uh, came for his manager at the end of it, Ali Abdelaziz, who is 
yeah, it, there's a lot to it that I don't feel like getting into right now. Point is, he was a douchebag. Uh, it was actually worse than Colby Covington, I think. Because um, I used to hate Colby Covington. I, yeah, I still don't really enjoy him so, so much. I mean, I get that he's doing a shtick, but it's a really dumb one. But at least what it is, when he's do, being the jerk, there's a little bit of a wink and nod to it. And, you know, you know, Chael Sonnen might yell at me for blowing the lid off the business again. But, yeah, he's, he's mostly putting on an act to sell tickets. He's not th- as much of a douchebag as he's putting on. Conor McGregor, I really think this just is who he is now. And, uh, I mean, I can't 100% blame him because the UFC has made him this way and uh, they haven't really done anything to discourage the douchebaggery. In fact, it has been nothing but rewarded since he came on with the promotion. But this this is the monster that they have created and now they have to deal with it. Oh, and then... At the other press conference, the one closer to the fight in Vegas, they, that w- he didn't even—they weren't even in the room at the same time. Habib showed up, answered some questions. McGregor was late. Habib answered a few questions, and it was like, you know what? I'm not doing the shit again. I'm not playing around. It's like I was a professional. I showed up on time. I answered all the questions I feel like answering right now. I'm out. Pull an eight Diaz. Um, Walked out, McGregor came, just kept wanting to talk about the whiskey. This time he wasn't even dressed up. He looked like he just rolled out of bed wearing a friggin' wife beater and shorts and a little hat. Yeah, I don't know, he looked really, uh, I don't know, real real gangster look for him, I guess. But, um, yeah, and then finally, 6 October, the fight itself. And man, what a payoff it was. First off, it was just a great night of fights in general. A special shout out to Derek Lewis fighting Alexander Volkov, who is basically the Ivan Drago of MMA. Like, he is a scary ass big Russian dude who is knocking people out. And uh, it looked like he was about to Apollo Creed Derek Lewis in there for a minute. I was seriously concerned he was Derek Lewis took a beating for most of that fight and but he was just hung in there hung tough and within the last like 15 seconds threw some punches and with 11 seconds to go the fight was over he knocked him out flatlined him and oh, everybody went nuts it was like something out of a movie like you couldn't make this up and then the, <laughs> the post-fight speech Joe Rogan comes up to him and he takes his shorts off he's like hey why what are you what are you doing man he's like my balls is hot joe just goes i understand (laughs) so that was epic and then uh now he's fighting daniel cormier next in a month which is terrible idea for him but apparently he said hey hey man i'll fight anybody for money so that's you know what that's the right attitude that's what I want to hear from my UFC fighters. <laughs> yeah, this is your profession. You're getting paid to fight whoever, whenever, and uh, yeah, hats off to him for that. Hope he enjoys that paycheck because the fight is not going to go well for him, I don't think. But anyway, 
And then uh, Anthony Pettis versus Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson finally coming back from that knee injury. Uh, made a crazy fast recovery. Dominic Cruz on the commentary was real salty about it because he's deal dealt with lots of injuries in the past. And uh, apparently it took him a little bit longer because he's what we call an underachiever. <laughs> uh, or, you know, Tony Ferguson is just an absolute psychopath and decided that, you know, the doctor said at least six months. He's like, I'm thinking four. And uh, he just did me. I, you know, I've talked about the placebo effect, man, the power of positive thinking, mind over matter. And Tony Ferguson's got just the kind of brain where that kind of thing, it just works. I mean, he believed, he's like, he was committed. He's like, I am going to make it happen. I'm going to rehab my knee in a shorter amount of time. Like, he was just, he's hungry. He's a... Tony Ferguson is a freaking savage man and Anthony Pettis you know he'd been looking he was his career was in a little bit of a slump there for a while but uh he was making a big resurgence looked great in his last fight against Michael Chiesa they yeah they finally rescheduled that one and um you know he said he was you know getting back to you know what he really likes doing because before they were yeah, I get he was changing the way he was fighting focusing more on you know wrestling fighting smart and tactically and before he was just doing crazy shit like if you don't know who Anthony Pettis is do yourself a favor go look up uh Anthony Pettis Showtime Kick and that was I believe that was the last fight in the WEC before they got bought out by the UFC and that was him against Ben Henderson who was another former UFC lightweight champion and he threw or Anthony Pettis threw a freaking matrix kick off the wall and knocked him out. And th it was one of the craziest moments in the sports history. Uh, so, yeah, he came in like he came into the UFC like that, uh, eventually became the UFC lightweight champion, but then got uh, just got wrecked by Rafael Dos Anjos when he took the title from him. <laughs> and uh, I remember at the time being especially bummed out because he uh he had just done a photo shoot with he, he was on the box the cover of he was on the box of Wheaties <laughs> and uh I remember going walking through Walmart one time and it was right after he had lost the title and they had just come out with all of these new Wheaties boxes with Anthony Pettis holding the belt I'm like damn he doesn't even have it anymore <laughs> how much must it suck to be Anthony Pettis walking through Walmart so happy to see his face on a box of Wheaties and he's holding the belt that he doesn't even have anymore. That's tough. And he took another couple losses. They lost to uh, Dustin Poirier beat him before that. But um, anyway, he was making a comeback. Looked fantastic in this fight. He was back to, you know, he said back to just doing crazy stuff and being, cre being creative in there and having fun with it. And that's what this fight was. It was a lot of fun, man. He, uh, that they both left it all out there and it was just two rounds of total insanity and uh but then at the towards the end of it um tony was beating him up real bad he had cut cut him open with a couple of elbows he was bleeding everywhere and uh towards the end of the round it, pettis looked like he was about to be on his way out but the the round ended he managed to survive and between rounds he uh yeah he told his coach duke rufus that his hand was broken and uh you know, Duke's asking him, he's like, all right, well, I mean, like, if it's broken, it's broken. But they go, like, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to keep going? Like, I'm not going to stop you. And he's, you know, Pettis is like, you know, he's, Pettis is a warrior, man. He's sitting there. He's contemplating. He doesn't want to quit. 
he's not really saying anything. I thought it was a really cool moment, especially considering, uh, you know, some recently in the sport, there have been some coaches taking heat for, you know, pushing their fighters to go that extra round, even when it, you know, it wasn't safe for him and, you know, didn't have their best interest in mind. Um, Duke Roof has ca- he called the fight. He said, no, nah, you know what? That's it. You know, you know, Pet, you know, Pettis didn't quit, but he, he was looking in his eyes. He saw the look. He's like, you know what? This isn't going to get any better. I mean, it was a really close fight before, and now you've know, taken away his right hand, which is one of his big weapons. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling it. I'm, I'm not going to put him in there like that. And that was really cool, I thought. And uh, lots of respect to both fighters. You know, that was a phenomenal fight. And then finally the main event Conor McGregor versus Habib, and <laughs> man, from the jump, it was it was pretty much exactly what we planned it would happen. Habib just taking him down, and uh, to his credit, Conor did a pretty good job uh, grappling defensively. And for the first round, he managed to neutralize most most of Habib's offense on the ground. He got taken down, took a couple little shots but mostly managed to break his posture you know he stayed played good defense from the bottom and he managed to get out of the first round without taking too much damage and while he was in the corner his coach John Cavanaugh was saying he's like all right that was his best he just took his best and now you know he's gonna get tired and um tell you what man he Habib did not get tired in fact Habib does not get tired Habib doesn't know what the meaning of tired is. Because, first of all, one thing you need to understand about uh, Dagestan, Russia, that part of the world, um, they all get raised. They all come up wrestling. And like, they, uh, like, apparently, they, I've listened to a few different you know, podcast interviews, you know, talk people from that part of the world that have trained there or trained with people from there. Uh, Ramsey Dewey even talked about this. Uh, r- Russian fighters, they have great wrestling because they will have just like they had f- these like just public gyms all over, like on every corner where it could, you know, it might just be like some dirty basement. And each one of them has some coach, some instructor, and they're teaching kids from a very young age how to wrestle and box and defend themselves. Because they raise their boys to be men over there. Because they... Joe Rogan, I think, said it best. Russians are just different kind of white people. Like, they're they're, they're not like other folk, man. They're they're scary for a reason. They're villains in a lot of our movies for a reason. They're scary people. (laughs) And uh, we, we saw why. Uh, at UFC 229, because Habib, in the second round, he uh, even they kept it standing for a little bit longer for the first minute before, in what stunned everybody, Habib hit him with a big looping overhand right punch that sent him sent Conor McGregor flying backwards. And uh, sidebar here. Now that Habib has actually won this fight, they're talking about, like, oh, well, Habib landed this big punch on McGregor. Now maybe they should make Habib versus Mayweather now. No, because he outstruck him. No, that's not. So it doesn't work that way. Uh, (laughs) Habib does not have better striking 
better hands than McGregor overall. The reason it worked so well is because he was changing levels and he was went that went low like he was about to shoot for the takedown. And as he was lunging in, McGregor dropped his hands and then he just threw that big looping overhand right and cracked him, sent him flying and took him to the ground and just held him there and ground and pounded him like no other. He, like here's the, here's the thing about Habib. One of the things I like about him is the way he fights most of the time. Like when he takes guys down, you know, and this was in the, the Edson Barboza fight. This was in the Michael Johnson fight. He will take guys down and he'll talk to them, and he'll hold them in the corner and he'll talk to Dana White. Who like he'll, well, he'll talk to the fighter like I was like, all right, come on, buddy, you must give up. Whap whap smack him a few times and they're like come on you have to give up you know this i deserve this i will be champion pop 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 like you just you're like i must break you pop 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 <laughs> stuff like that and you know he starts talking to dana way like hey dana pop 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 i want title shot after this whap, whap. hit him a few more times like he's not even like not even concerned with the fight at hand, already thinking about the next one because he is already so confident that this one is in the bag and he has never lost a round in his career. And yeah, this is it. so this is what he does. And but that you th this fight, you know, he he he, uh, he makes fights go the distance to prove that he has the cardio to go the distance. He will actually, like, he does not try to finish fights. You know, I I think that, you know, he, if, like, unless you really piss him off, I don't think he's really trying to hurt guys in there that badly. He, he's just smacking them around, talking to them, and he breaks their spirit, and he just wears them down after five rounds. I mean, Michael Johnson, he kimura at him, and um, so, yeah, uh, round two, he was hitting him with thunderous ground and pound. Like, this was, these were different punches you guys this is this is something that i don't think anyone's even mentioned this, he was throwing like harder strikes than i've seen him like like angry like with bad intentions throwing mean but like the way it sounded when they hit him like you know when before like he was like i was like whap 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 just like you know patting like you know hitting them hurting hurting them these were like thudding like hard pounding in the face of Conor McGregor. And I was like, he, he made good on the problem. He said, I am going to change his face. After this fight, his face will never be the same. And then, man, it made me happy on this. <laughs> so happy to watch. After all that, talking, they, he was talking to him. He's like, like, okay, okay, let's talk now. Boom, boom. So let's talk now. And uh, also throughout this fight, uh, Conor McGregor kept on uh cheating he kept on grabbing at the gloves you know looping his fingers in there grabbing the fence push you know looping and hooking his toes in the fence and at one point when uh <laughs> habib tried to pull the hey dana routine again uh connor actually off of his back need habib in the head which is an illegal strike and technically you know the ref could end the fight for that or at least deduct a point or something and Habib even looked at him because he need him clean in the head, like from the body. He didn't have a whole lot of stank on it because you know he w he couldn't really wind it up. He was laying on his back, but nevertheless, need him on the head. And um, in fact, one time comparable situation, uh, Anderson Silva knocked out Yushin Okami when he was on his back. He threw it was it was like a 
It was insane. He threw like a crescent kick off of his back and knocked Yushin Okami out cold, and the fight was over. But since Yushin Okami was a downed opponent, even though he was on the ground on top of him, because you can't kick the head of a downed opponent, Anderson Silva lost by disqualification. So, at that point, Yushin Okami was the last person to have a victory over Anderson Silva. And they used that in the rematch in which Anderson Silva beat the ever-loving piss out of him anyway. And, you know, it was like the same thing that happened with John Jones and Matt Hamill. He was beating him up anyway, and then he threw the downward elbows, and they called the fight. He was disqualified. John Jones, his only loss is to Matt Hamill and cocaine. But anyway, um, yeah, back to McGregor. And then finally, the, uh, round three is the only one that you could argue that McGregor won because he managed to keep it standing. I think Habib had maybe worn himself out a little bit, you know, punching harder than he normally does and, like, really laying into him on the ground. And uh, even, like, when he would, when he missed, he was, like, punching the mat, and you could hear it, like, pounding away at him. And maybe a little bit more tired than he usually was. So in the third round, uh, Connor managed to keep it standing, but... It, in, outpointed him on the feet a little bit, but Habib didn't even—he didn't even look bad, honestly. Like you know, they say people say his striking is very, uh, very basic, very rudimentary. But I mean, you know, you only need a couple good punches. I mean, forget who said it first, but you know, fear not the man who has practiced a thousand kicks, but fear the man who has practiced one kick a thousand times. I think that's, a, I think that's a Bruce Lee. But don't quote me on that. Anyway. Yeah, so he had just has good fundamentals, managed to hang in there. Habib got through the round. Arguably the first and only round he has ever lost in his career. So that that that's the one thing that you can give to McGregor's credit in this fight. Round four, same story, takes him down, beats him up, and finishes him off with um <coughs> this is a debatable either a, a neck crank or some were saying it was a choke, but um, it was like a rear naked choke. Only he had the, he didn't have the hand behind the head. He had them locked in a gable grip, and he was pushing down on the back of McGregor's shoulder with his elbow, and pulling on his chin. And uh, I've been in similar situations like that, or like in a rear naked choke when they don't have it under the chin. Uh, listen, if you if they squeeze hard enough, it they it just like pushes your jaw back into your throat. Like tucking your chin does not necessarily save you from getting choked out. So whether it was just the twisting and the, like the painful discomfort of it that made him tap out or whether he was already going out anyway, Conor McGregor tapped out for the second time in his career. First time being Nate Diaz. Um so yeah, and it looked like Habib wasn't even gonna let go of it either, because the referee Herb Dean had to like look, had pull pull his arm off of Conor McGregor, and then so you know he stood over him for a second, you know yelled at him a little bit, not sure exactly what he said, and then he took out his mouthpiece and chucked it towards McGregor's corner, and this is where the shit really hit the fan. Uh, he went flying over the cage of the octagon and 
ran out into the crowd, jumped over the barricade, and took flight and jumped and like double flying Spartan kicked Dylan Dennis in the face. <laughs> and uh, Dylan Dennis is Conor McGregor's grappling coach leading up to this fight, and who's he's pretty legit. He's a jiu-jitsu black belt. Uh, he's um, won a few competitions. He's pretty good. Pretty good grappler, good fighter. I think he, he actually fights for Bellator right now. But, yeah. And, oh, yeah, and apparently he had been talking some smack leading up to this fight as well, where he said, I, I think he was on the Ariel Hawani show uh, or, you know, ESPN or something. He was talking to Ariel Hawani on this video. Anyway, and basically he was calling Habib a coward for not coming off of the bus during, you know, the, the the night before the fight when when Connor smashed it in, right? He, was, he said, oh, I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't think Khabib's really about that life, you know. I uh, He's like, I think he's a punk. I don't think he really wants to, I think he's scared of McGregor. That's why he didn't come off the bus. I don't think he's really about that life. He's not, well, he found out the hard way. Khabib is about that life. So Khabib jumps over. Uh, Dennis punches him in the face, but you know Habib is unfazed, and then security's pulling them apart. And while all this is going on, uh, this wasn't revealed until later because alternate camera angles. The you know the UFC the official cameras were all focused on the fight outside the cage. And um, when they you know when when they cut back to the cage on the original feed, like all you can see is uh, somebody one of Habib's teammates has, had jumped into the cage and punched Conor McGregor in the back of the head, which was a dick move in any case regardless of what led up to it because it's you don't punch somebody in the back of the head you wait until they turn around and you punch them directly in the nose that's what that's the move anyway but as it turns out after somebody recorded this with their cell phone later what happened was Habib's brother had jumped up on the cage and he was just sort of it it looked like he wasn't sure exactly what he was going to do like if he was going to go down there and try to help his brother or try to break it up or whatever. He was just looking towards the action over there. And Connor also jumped up on the cage or like, like tried to, like he wasn't like quite sitting on it yet, but and he, he jumped up and punched Habib's brother clean in the face. And then Habib's brother swung back him and he punched him again, like really cracked him the second time they showed, uh, I saw pictures afterwards. He had a, like a, like a cut and like a really bad, bruise on the side of his face like he really like he caught his brother pretty good and then his maybe his brother jumps back into the ring and then another one of habib's teammates comes up and runs around the action runs runs around mcgregor and everyone goes to check on the brother says you know hey how are you doing he's like, he's like, he's like okay what what just happened then he's like yeah i'm fine the goes they okay go then he does like go get him so then the guy comes back around and he's like, hey, what the hell are you punch him for? And he's coming, and, and then as Connor is facing this second guy, a third guy, the guy in the red shirt, um, crap, I forget his name, Zubair Tukakov. There, I Googled it. I don't know if I said it right, but anyway. He's the one in the red shirt that jumped in, punched McGregor back of the head. So, uh, yeah, at this point, and then McGregor and Habib, so that guy suspended, um, McGregor's other teammate from the 
that was involved in the incident, I'm pretty sure it was suspended, uh, pending uh, possibly being cut from the UFC. I think I think Dana said afterwards that they'll never fight in the UFC again. And um, McGregor and Habib were both put on a 10-day suspension afterwards, uh, you know, pending some sort of punishment after review, seeing who was really to blame. And uh, I guess upon a little bit of review, they ended up giving Connor his money for the fight, and Habib didn't get his yet. And Habib is still suspended, even though he what his argument was, um, you know, I was surprised by this first of all because it was wildly out of character for him. He's normally you know the very calm, stoic. Uh, you know, he wasn't the wild one leading up to this fight, but you know, he's very. Uh, he's always been very respectful, but I mean, you know, every man's got his breaking point, and uh, we found Habib's apparently. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he snapped, but then you know, at the press conference, even even immediately after the fight, he said, "Oh, and uh, and Dana White wouldn't put the belt on him either," which I think was bullshit because he, I don't know, he said his argument was, "It's like if I put the belt on you right now, people are just gonna start." You know, throwing shit in the ring and throwing stuff at you, and Habib's like, "Yeah, that, I don't care. I'm ready for this. Yeah, just give me the belt." And then he's like, "No, no, no. You got. You just got to go now." Well, I don't think it would have made a huge difference whether or not he was holding the belt. Everybody just saw him beat the ever-loving pants off McNuggets, so uh, he was definitely the champ. It's his belt. Let him just let him take it. But whatever. Um. So uh, Habib, in response, has said that you know, if you cut my teammate. Uh, you know, you might as well cut me too, I'll, or you break my contract for me, or I will break it my own way. And uh, yeah, you're basically sticking up for his teammate. But I don't know if he actually means that. You know, maybe if his teammate gets cut, you know, if I was Habib's teammate, I'd be like, dude, it's fine. I'll go fight for Bellator. You still got fights on your contract. Go, go fight a couple more guys. Dude, dude, do the rematch. Beat him up again. Make millions of dollars. It's fine. It's fine, buddy. Just go, 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 go! Keep fighting, and um, but yeah, we're not really a hundred percent sure how that's gonna play out now, and uh, in the aftermath of this. So, uh, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff, you know. And I'm not honestly like he he said it was uh, payback for what happened in Brooklyn, the bus incident, and I think he said, you know, I wasn't really starting, you know. They said that you know he started this altercation, and Habib said like no, Connor started it way back there. You know nobody was really saying anything about this. In fact, they used the footage from the bus attack to promote the fight. I mean, apparently, I think Habib may have even speculated at some point that this was some sort of a crazy staged incident that you know trying to make you know everybody's trying to make the UFC WWE comparisons now. He thought you know maybe they're trying to make it come true. I like forging drama or something but i don't think the conspiracy runs that deep but i mean that's definitely what what mcgregor was doing and you know this is it's obviously a terrible thing he's you know there's no excuse for it but this is also a similar activity to what we had come to see from Muhammad Ali during his career. I mean, you know, everybody sees him as this, like, you know, wholesome, you know, heroic guy. But, you know, when he got, some certain people, when, when he got into, you know, the trash talk, like, he he's just, he got mean, man. <laughs> he, uh, in fact, 
I think uh, at one point there was a time when uh, he he pulled into the hotel that Joe Frazier was staying at and like pulled into the like not even the parking lot. I think he like pulled into the grass in his car and was like yelling at his window and was, like come out and fight him right then and like just you know this sort of wild behavior some people find endearing in their champion somehow um i don't like it i don't care for it i don't like what the sport is becoming because of it i like i love the fights i mean uh, the the fight the the trash talk is fun it's in, it's entertaining but there's a line and i think conor mcgregor really crossed it i don't think i think he's lost sight of you know what it really truly means to be you know, a martial artist, not just a fighter. I think it gives the sport of MMA a bad name. And, um, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, what Habib did also not great, but was in retaliation to something that McGregor did before and is not really getting punished for at all. And, again, Habib's pay is being, I think, as far as I know right now, is still suspended. And... um yeah, this is obviously just the UFC still paying, playing favorites. And <laughs> I, uh, or just just today, I actually just saw a commercial for the new UFC game, Special Notorious Edition, featuring McGregor. And it was this whole 30-second thing about, yeah, man, you and, and, you know, I think this, this said special promotion from October 2 to October 16. But it was like, you know, just by watching that, you would have thought that he won the fight. And, uh, you know, uh, everyone's been saying this. Yeah, he's like, yeah, regardless, win or lose, he's still going to be the biggest draw in MMA. So, I mean, it's understandable. But, I mean, Habib, you know, now he got thanked by Vladimir Putin or congratulated. And uh, he's a hero to his people now. I mean, the, they saw the, the you got to go watch the video of like Dagestan reaction to Habib fight. And there's just people, like, running through the streets, like, rioting. Like, traffic is stopped. People are firing AK-47s into the air. Like, it's madness. But, I mean, the guy's a hero now. He's thinking about even, you know, going into politics. And, again, because of the shady connections he has from before, uh, he would. that's probably an area he would do great in, or in which he would do great trying to speak more betterly um but yeah i mean i think he can do pretty much whatever he wants to at this point but what what uh last thing that i read was i think his uncle or somebody had told the press that he wanted to fight tony ferguson and then retire and he actually apparently had turned down 15 million dollars to fight conor mcgregor again and honestly, I'm not even mad about that because he's he's not about the money. It's about sending a message. And I think the message was very clear. Conor McGregor is not on Habib's level. I think Habib, I mean, they're different fighters, different styles. And Habib is just Conor McGregor's kryptonite. And honestly, I don't know if I see anybody beating Tony. I think Tony Ferguson definitely has a better chance. Stylistically, they match up better. And I think that is the fight to make after this. But um Yeah, man. I don't I don't know what to do from here if you're Connor. You know, as Coach John Kavanaugh 
said after the fight that he was, you know, immediately asking for the Habib rematch again. Like, he wants to be bad. You know, same thing that happened after he beat, or after, excuse me, he lost to Nate Diaz. And that he wanted the rematch immediately. He wanted the rematch again. Like he, like he was obsessed. Like he, you know, he doesn't take losses well, so he he obsesses over it and wants to come back stronger. And you know, the UFC gave it to him that time because, but even though, you know, it, it was a not even a close fight. That well, actually, the first round he was lighting up Nate Diaz pretty well, but you know, he again he was heavier than he was used to being, gassed out faster than he normally would have. You know, lots of factors went into that. Then, you know, again, the short notice. But, yeah, this time, this was his fight. He had time to prepare, plenty of time to prepare. He'd been off for forever. I mean, yeah, he he had done, I think, anything that he could have done to close the gap between the, the grappling department as best he could, and it just was not even close, not even close to enough. And um, that is just that that's due in part just to who Habib Nurmagomedov trains with. I mean, he trains over at AKA, and you know, part of the reason you know, I, the, as I mentioned before, he's pulled out of fights so many times because he's injured. Well, that's because he trains at American Kickboxing Academy with uh, the champ champ Daniel Cormier, who the who he was the UFC light heavyweight champion, two hundred five, and knocked out Stipe Miocic to become who was the heavyweight champion at the time to become the new heavyweight champion and he trains with these guys and uh, oh and he trains with Luke Rockhold who is a middleweight and um trains with Cain Velasquez who's arguably the greatest heavyweight of all time whose only flaw is that he, again, he's injured all the time because they go hard in training. And Habib is, you know, he's the he's the lightweight of the group, but he keeps up with all these bigger guys, like much, like much bigger men, throws them around. You know, he he doesn't lose in the training room either, man. And, and like I said, Cain Velasquez, uh, people forget, Cain Velasquez was like, they fight a very similar style, like where Cain Velasquez has incredible cardio. He can just work for days and he'll, he'll grind you down and, spit you out like tobacco juice man he just he'll, he grabs people throws them down to the ground and grounds and pounds them traps the hands you know i like like if you go back and watch some of his fights and watch how habib fights like that it's, it's very similar styles and you know he's a all-american college wrestler two-time all-american i went 121 matches in a row in his senior year and only lost in like the finals i believe and then uh, like I said, Daniel Cormier, who was an Olympic wrestler, I believe he was a came up a little short in the Olympics. He was a bronze medalist, but you know, American champion. He's you know, credentials for days, and in MMA has absolutely dominated everybody in the heavy, you know heavyweight and light heavyweight divisions. Well, or uh, excuse me, he was a light heavyweight for his whole career in the UFC, but prior to that in strike force, he was a heavyweight and beat other legends of the sport like Josh Barnett, Antonio Bigfoot Silva, pre-USADA Antonio Bigfoot Silva, which is important because he was on the TRT and was very scary at the time when Daniel Cormier knocked him out. So significant, again, you could you could make an argument for 
D- Daniel Cormier to be the greatest heavyweight of all time because and the man that he beat, Stipe Miocic, before that, they were making arguments for him to be the new greatest heavyweight of all time because he defended the title more times than anybody else. Uh, I mean, so yeah, and uh, yeah, Luke Rockhold, former middleweight champion, and uh, by all accounts, incredible wrestler. Once he gets on top of you, like that top pressure, you know, like like all those other guys, like it's just something that's different. They say it's something you can't see on TV. It's something you have to feel. But like all of these all these super high-level grapplers, and Habib is fighting lightweight, and he's keeping up with them, and he fights lightweights. Habib Nurmagomedov, is, and he he wrestled bears. He wrestled bears from the time he was like six or seven years old. Okay? He's a different kind of white people. Yeah, do you understand what I'm saying to you now? That, that, that Habib is a monster, okay? Now, like I said, Tony Ferguson will probably pose his biggest challenge so far. I heard GSP is interested in fighting him. That's a super fight. Um, I think you got to do Tony Ferguson first because, you know, honestly, he's earned it. Uh, you know, he became the interim champion, never really lost that title. He just was out for too long. And then, um, yeah, Ferguson's the match to make. And um, I think I've said this before, well, like a way older episode back when this was the... Beer City Fight Cast. <sighs> Memories. Um, I said something about this before. Habib likes to sit and wait. He says sit and do the ground and pound. Either he'll do it from in the guard or from half guard. And, you know, Tony Ferguson, he is a 10th planet jiu-jitsu black belt. You know, he uses the, you know, the, the Eddie Bravo system of the, the rubber guard where he'll, he's really good at breaking the posture and breaking you down the, the, Okay, the way to explain it, I guess, to people who can't see is, you know, your typical closed guard is, you know, your ankles hooked with your legs wrapped around your opponent when you're on the bottom. The rubber guard is you, instead of having the ankles hooked, you're grabbing one of your feet. It's like you're sitting cross-legged almost, and you grab your feet and pull down on your leg, and it's like a bar behind your opponent's shoulders holding them down, pulling them into you. And then you can, you know, grab with one hand and one foot and then throw elbows from the bottom and cut people open. That's something that Tony likes doing. So, um, so yeah, potentially he could be one to fight back from the bottom more than any, but any other fighter has, you know, effectively. You know, he's, like he said, he's got sharp elbows. He says he sharpens those things. I believe him. Because people, he throws elbows, people bleed. He's, <laughs> he sliced Tony Ferguson. Well, you would think he had like those little Batman razor things on his elbows. Like he, he's a scary guy and he's, um, you know, good grappling, but creative, you know, different, like weird, like unorthodox striking. He throws spinning shit all the time, but, um, yeah, definitely going to be a very interesting fight for Habib. But I, um, I think Habib's style leaves very little room for error. And Tony Ferguson does, have errors in his game he you know he sometimes he comes in with his chin up high and he doesn't defend himself well and you know like i say he throws spinning stuff he was rolling like granby rolls and try to escape from weird positions and but i, th- I think the kind of a pressure that habib applies on people isn't going to allow for that sort of you know crazy unorthodox bullshit he's just i think habib's going to shut that down real quick but we will see. Lots of lots of great, interesting fights 
in the future, man, and uh, looking forward to all of them. Oh, and uh, side note, I know this is going a little bit long, but I wanted to talk about Bellator MMA as well because they had some really good fights just this last weekend. UFC was two weeks ago. Now this past weekend was uh, Bellator 208. Fedor versus Chael Sonnen, and uh, man, tell you what, Chael Sonnen, the American gangster, looking more like the American dad these days. Uh, this is not the lean, mean Chael Sonnen of old. This is uh, dad bod Chael Sonnen doing a Chael Sonnen impression for the Bellator fans, and <laughs> I mean, he, he bless his heart, you know, he did. Uh, I I think he really did try. And, uh, you know, actually had had a couple good moments in that fight. The fight only lasted one round. Fedor cracked him a couple times really good really early, and from that point on, Chael didn't want to have anything to do with the striking. He shot for, you know, low sing- uh, you know uh, a couple times Fedor just, like, ragdolled him and ended up on top. You know, Chael managed to you know, avoid taking damage, uh, too much damage at first, and he got escaped, and uh, or, uh, Fedor let him up again. Uh, yeah, th- this was one of the only times that I would see uh, that you'll see Chael Sonnen actually laying on his back, actually lo- like looking like he would prefer to pull guard against Fedor Emelianenko than stand with somebody, and that's uh, that's just not his style usually. <laughs> but he was he got a taste of that heavyweight knockout power and just didn't want anything to do with it. And you know, I think later shot for like a low single leg from far out and actually ended up getting it, landed on top for a minute, didn't do any damage. You know, Fedor swept him again. Oh yeah, and at one point he actually had Fedor's back, which was impressive, but then for reasons beyond my comprehension, decided to from his back try to like cartwheel over him or something. I think he was like trying to go he said later he was trying to go for a Darce choke or something. Whatever it was, it didn't work. Fedor landed on top of him again, pounded him out, and with only a few seconds left to go in the round, uh, fight was over. So that was that, and so it's going to be Fedor versus Ryan Bader for the heavyweight Bellator title, which, side note, I am really happy for Ryan Bader right now. I've been a Ryan Bader fan ever since he was on The Ultimate Fighter, and... um, Man, I felt like the UFC, for whatever reason, he just couldn't quite ever catch a break. Like, he would put together a few wins and then take a loss, you know? And then he would, like, make a, like two steps forward, one step back all the time in the UFC. Uh, he just had a rough go of it. I mean, he, he, he was coming up the same time as John Jones was originally. And, in fact, he was John Jones' last fight before Jones took the light heavyweight title away from Shogun Rua. And... Honestly, at the time, uh, put up a better fight than Shogun did. So that I mean, he put he he he, uh, he hung in there with John Jones more than so. And now this is a while ago, and I mean they've both grown a lot as fighters. Now I'd be interested to see a rematch if they ever do a you know some kind of big crazy crossover event between Bellator and the UFC again. That'd be pretty interesting to see. But anywho. Yeah, and Ryan Bader's the light heavyweight champion in Bellator now and uh, moved up to heavyweight for this tournament. He knocked out King Mo, and uh, in his last fight, he uh, beat up Matt Mitrione real bad, who Matt Mitrione actually uh, had knocked out Fedor prior to this fight. So he had some 
some uh, some heat behind him coming into this tournament. And um, you know, he's always been a great, you know, explosive, athletic fighter. He was the bigger guy in this fight, but uh, Bader he just took him down and pounded. It was a very it was a very Habib like beating. Like he just uh, very aggressive takedowns held him there. And uh, you know, Matt, Matt Mitrione, the bigger man, former football player, like he could not get up. Ryan Bader took him down and held him there and beat him up and he beat him convincingly and I think I think we got a really good fight on our hands for this title here, man. I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited for these Bellator fights coming up. Um let's see what else is on the horizon. Um Oh yeah, Floyd Mayweather's talking about fighting Pacquiao again. I'm going to, you know, definitely want to talk about that the closer we get to it and uh we got Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury again in the boxing world coming up. And, uh, yeah, plenty of material to talk about in the near future. But, anyway, that was my take on the events of UFC 229 for the most part. And uh, thank you for staying and listening if you actually listen to the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I, since I did make this a longer one, uh, I hope you appreciate this, the this significant boost in audio quality, and that's because I am using my uh, super spiffy rock band microphone and a laptop computer instead of just recording it on my cell phone. You know, this is a very uh, a very deliberate project. You know, I actually, you know, wanted this to sound good because I wanted a lot of people to hear it. So for that, you're welcome. Oh wait, that's the one. that's not my sign off. Anyway, so this has been, I guess, technically the first ever into the fray MMA podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, want to get uh, I want to get some actual fighters on the show very soon. Uh, mostly uh, local guys. There's uh, my buddy uh, Esteban Mohawk Rodriguez. He's going to be fighting November seventeenth at the Orbit Room for uh, the new uh, Johnny O's MMA promotion. This will be, this will be, gonna be uh, Johnny O has hosted some boxing events in the Grand Rapids area before. Uh, fairly well-known promoter. Uh, again, uh, he, he brings in you know, pretty uh, high-level people to, you know, to watch these things, to get, you know, to get the fresh young talent in front of... Uh, he gets it gets a lot of good eyes to watch this fresh young talent in our town. Like he, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather Sr. has been at these events. Uh, Vinny Paz was at the last one as well, the last boxing event that they had. And uh, if you don't know who he is, he, uh, he was just recently on the Joe Rogan Experience talking about his work in Jedi Mind Trick. But also, he um, I barely mentioned it on the podcast. I was amazed. But he uh, there was a movie about his life or about his boxing career called Bleed for This that came out a couple of years ago. Uh, it's all about how he got in a car accident, broke broke his neck, you know, doctor said he would never fight again, comes back. I haven't seen it, but it looks really good and by all accounts I hear it is. So yeah. They bring so yeah, that's the kind of people that they bring into these fights to watch and this so yeah johnny o is a really cool guy makes good connections gets people in touch with the right people and this is their first mma show so uh i'm talking about that trying to promote it if you're in the west michigan area definitely definitely uh look that up november 17 
Orbit Room. Johnny O. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's him. Uh, there's some guys uh, in this town. There's a lots of martial arts gyms. I met some really cool people right here in Kalamazoo. Uh, in fact, there's a the gym that I think I'm going to end up calling my home down here is uh, it's called Lightning Kicks MMA, and they have uh, the head the head o- the owner of that gym as uh, Amir Killa, who was a veteran fighter. He used to he was actually on one season of The Ultimate Fighter, and I couldn't exactly remember who he was. Um, but when I looked it up, he uh, he got guillotined by Cody McKenzie in his season in the first round and didn't make it into the house, and that's why I didn't remember him. But in all fairness, everybody got guillotined by Cody McKenzie that season except for one guy. I th- he didn't quite make it. He lost in the semifinals. But, yeah. So that's not a knock on him at all. Actually came back and had a great career after that and some other promotions. Uh, I think it's... At the end of his career, he was fighting for Bellator. Um, yeah, if you want to look up some of his fights, that's Amir Killa, K-H-I-L-L-A-H. And uh, so yeah, maybe uh, be able to get him on the show sometime. Uh, and there's my buddy Nick over at Valor Martial Arts here in Kalamazoo. Um, another great karate guy. If you want to look him up, he has a YouTube channel called Karate Playbook. Uh, really good, legit for like, even if you're not um, necessarily into karate, just if you want to get into just really good, solid, fundamental techniques and exercises. He's got a great YouTube channel, Karate Playbook. Look it up. Um, I see. I see. I want to get my uh, buddy Neil here on the show. Um, Neil's a guy that I've been, you know, learned a lot of combat training from. He trains karate and all, all sorts of different styles and he's been to Japan um, got lots of great stories we need to me and him need to get together and uh, argue about the Donald Trump and stuff and talk karate and anyway I'm rambling again I've got to wrap this thing up but had a great time putting this thing together hopefully you all enjoyed it and just remember do better because it gets better. And whatever you do, don't let the bastard win. Love you guys. Bye. What's more? It's in the frame.